Welcome to Uplifting Women podcast. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net, as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Join our co-hosts, Holly Tesca and Kristen Strunk, thought partners in the world of leadership, equality, and personal and professional development. Listen as they bring stories of inspirational women and their allies who are working every day for authentic leadership, equality, and inclusion in business, education, and community. These are the stories of the people whose mission it is to ensure others are seen, heard, and respected. They've overcome challenges in the workplace and the world or supported other women in doing so. Holly and Kristen are committed to uplifting women's voices, sharing inspiration, advice, and maybe even a few laughs from women and their allies about the work they are doing to promote inclusion and equality in our world. They believe that by sharing stories of challenge and triumph, we can all make the world a better place as we inspire others to step fully into their personal leadership space. We are so happy you have joined us today for our conversation. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Uplifting Women podcast. This is Holly Tesca, and I'm here with my co-host, Kristen Strunk. And before we get started today, if you haven't seen the new movie, Barbie, um, I'm giving you a spoiler alert. So you may not want to listen to this episode until after you've seen the movie. But that's what Kristen and I are going to talk about today is the new Barbie movie. We both saw it last weekend. We did. We did. And I have to say in full disclosure, all right, when all the hype was going on, that there was a new Barbie movie coming out, this girl couldn't have been less interested. (laughs) I would have to agree. I didn't see myself going into a theater and watching it that's for sure let alone wearing pink (laughs) let alone wearing pink and planning to go back and see it again yes and again in full disclosure i forgot to wear pink until i got into the car with my daughter and granddaughter and then they went you didn't remember your pink and i was like do you want me to go back in the house and change no we're gonna be late (laughs) so i didn't wear pink so grandma fail on that one but you did wear pink Kristen. Agreed. And I think there are maybe some more pink options that I need to add to my closet. (laughs) I think I'm in the same boat, to be quite honest with you. So I would have to look pretty, pretty hard to find it. But uh, let's get into this a little bit. Why did you go see it? What you weren't bought in? What what made you go? I'm going to be fully honest and very straightforward. I went because it was ticking a lot of people off that I thought shouldn't be ticked off about a Barbie movie. And I wanted to see what it was all about. So I went because there was this banter back and forth about it being feminist and not feminist. And I just really had to see for myself what the, all the hype was about. And so I went with two of my friends who are about my same age. So we all grew up playing with Barbies probably in the 80s and early 90s. And so it was a really interesting 
reflection on some of those actual being reminiscent a little bit about actually playing with Barbies and what it meant and kind of some of the the fun you could have and all the possibilities. But that's originally why I went. So why did you go? Again, I was like, Ugh, you got to be kidding me. But then I had some people who I really respect ask me, did you go see Barbie yet? And I'm like, no, should I? And they're like, oh yeah, you really need to go see it. And I'm like, is this going to be like a movie that I take my husband with? And somebody said, not unless he's really a feminist. I said, well, he leans that direction. I don't think he would be offended by it. But I asked my husband and he said, why don't you take our daughter and granddaughter? (laughs) Wouldn't that be a better choice? And we went to a theater that is a little bit off the beaten path. So it was not extraordinarily busy. And we were probably one of 20 or 25 people only in the show house at the time. And we went for a matinee and it made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me upset. It made me happy. It, it totally was the full range of motion, of emotions for me. I'm a little older than you. I had my first Barbie probably, I want to say around 1963 or 64. It was a Christmas gift. While she wasn't one of the original Barbies, I do remember her coming in a box that you lifted the cover off of. So she was in a long box you lifted the cover off of. And she did just have a bathing suit. I think it was black and white stripe as the original is. She had real hair that was up in a ponytail. I would liken it to the way Lucille Ball used to wear her hair in a ponytail. And she had high heel shoes. And that's what she came with. And oddly misproportioned, (laughs) as those original Barbies were. And I had, in my lifetime, I probably had about four Barbies. I played with them, but not a ton. I don't know. Were you a hardcore Barbie person? Was not a hardcore Barbie person. I probably had a half a dozen, but what I think, and getting into some of what I really enjoyed about the movie was the realistic costumes that were all the old clothes and that they used the the Barbie car and the dream car and the dream house. And so that for me was a little bit nostalgic. I didn't have a lot of those items growing up, but it was fun to see that they leveraged that. I think one of the things I also found fascinating, the women that I went with and I sat and watched the credits. We were hoping for some Barbie outtakes. So if anybody listening to this has the power to make that happen, we would love that. But what we saw in that were all of these older Barbies or discontinued Barbies and some of the thought processes that went into creating some of these were very frightening, I think is the word I would use. I think Sugar Daddy Ken was the one that kind of pushed me over the edge. That was 
that was yeah. just a really interesting choice. But I think that for me was one of the things that I liked about it was the history piece of it, of the toy itself, of the dolls themselves. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was fascinated, actually, with the accuracy. Of course, I've got three granddaughters, two of them are 14. And so I've been in the grandma Barbie circle for quite a while. And I think I mentioned this to you the other day, we had actually bought the pooping dog for one of them. It was on a Christmas list one year. So when I saw that in the movie, I just almost died. And my daughter looked at me because she knew as well. And my poor granddaughter, the one who's eight, she had no clue, but we were laughing about the pooping dog. And I was telling my husband about it. He's, yeah, they did. I heard they discontinued it because the pieces, the poop pieces were about the size of a tic-tac and kids were eating them. Stands to reason, whatever. Yeah. The pooping dog made its appearance. Yeah. But I think that was, I think that was one of the things that I also liked about the movie is that I could hear people laughing and reacting at different times for different reasons. And you could see that there were multiple generations having a good time with the movie itself, with the cinematography, with the costumes, with the dancing, with the back and forth banter with Alan. There was just a lot of laughter and a lot of emotional reaction to certain things that probably sparked memories for a lot of people. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I I think they just did a fabulous job with how it turned out. A little bit too much pink for me personally, but I survived. But yeah, so the couple bit tidbits of Barbie history here, because now since I've seen the movie, I've become a little bit of a, I've been stalking YouTube videos on Barbie. and the making of this movie a couple of cool things so barbie was originally modeled on the lily doll which was produced in west germany from 1955 to 64 it was a risque gag gift for men do you know that barbie's full name is barbara millicent roberts i knew the millicent part i don't think i remembered the roberts part isn't that interesting? I thought that was just crazy. Yeah, they still say that Barbie is still a very popular collectible, but the sales since the year 2000 haven't risen as steeply as they did in the 1990s, which doesn't surprise me. I think a lot of kids spend a lot of time on tablets these days. It's a very different type of play. But anyways, I thought those two pieces were a little bit worth mentioning. The other thing that I thought was interesting in doing some research for our conversation this afternoon was that the very first Barbie came with a portfolio of drawings and almost as a a fashion designer. So they were Mm. drawings of outfits and things like that. And very clearly the message at the time was supposed to be you had this person who was out there and having a career. And it's interesting when I watched the movie, the logic of 
this toy being brought forward that was going to empower women to do all sorts of different things. And so many different people had so many different reactions to it. It's been protested a number of different times. The National Organization of Women even protested it back in the late 70s. And so really, it's just it's a beloved figure that seems to also polarize. And I think the same can be said of the movie that it yeah. is, I think a, a wonderful movie that is polarizing in a couple of different ways. So I just, I was reflecting on that before we got started this afternoon. For sure. And the fact that they didn't release a Barbie of color or a Latina Barbie until 1980. I was thinking about how when we first started this podcast, some of our initial conversations were around the fact that in 1977 or 78 was the first time a woman could have a credit card on her own. So think of the confluence of events that were taking place in the late 70s, early 80s. And it's just interesting looking back to see how these things were all surfacing in society at the same time. Also interesting was there was an astronaut Barbie before a woman went into space. There was. Barbie ran for president in 1992, yeah. But Barbie did not have curves or demonstrate herself as petite until 2016 during yeah, the body positive crazy? image. So yeah. <laughs> again, it's it's interesting in some instances how far ahead and in other instances how far behind the toy itself has been or Mattel has been in reacting to what's yeah. actually happening in the world. Yeah, I was um, pleasantly surprised to see a plus-size Barbie in the movie, as well as an amputee Barbie in the movie. So it was, even though the main character was still our white person with blonde hair and blue eyes and extraordinarily thin, everything perfectly quaffed, there was still some very visible diversity that they were intentionally bringing into that movie. And I found that to be really delightful. The piece I really want to talk about today is America Ferrara's, Ferrara's monologue. Mm. I literally, it brought tears to my eyes. So what made it so emotional for you? Being a child of, I was born in the late 50s. So being a child of the 60s and experiencing high school in the 70s. My mom, my mother's career, she, when I was a small child, she was an Avon lady. That was probably really out there for that time. I lived in the Leave it to Beaver time frame. And that's what women were expected to be. Beautifully dressed, wearing pearls when their husband came home from work, etc. 
So my mom, a bit of a trailblazer, I would call her, she stepped out to decide to be an Avon lady. And we could go down a whole different path with the whole Avon lady thing. But my generation is like the first generation that didn't have role models to figure this stuff out. So I think when America Ferreira was going through this monologue, I just kept saying to myself, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how I've felt. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. And it was just stated so beautifully and in the right moment, at in the right way, that it just struck me like, holy crap. So even now I tear up <laughs> reflecting on it. But I'm curious, what did, how did it hit, impact you? Because we're different ages. Mm-hmm. I would have to say that it probably impacted me mostly the same way, right? It was that duality of do this and be assertive and stand up for yourself and don't stand out. It was this balance of that blending in. And and we've talked about it even a couple times on this podcast. I came out of school, out of college into my working world. Every single book out there was how to behave like a man in order to get ahead in business. It was the navy blue suits and all of those kinds of things. And the part that struck me about that monologue is that I feel like she could have kept going. Like it could have been a half an hour long of just these either ors and bringing in all of these different um, stereotypes for women and things that women have to try to live up to and things that we tend to judge each other on for whatever reason, whatever our history, whatever our mental models, we do tend to judge each other on them. And we, I'm not a mother and I don't have children, but this whole conversation online around mom guilt, and I, I couldn't imagine the pressure to be a mother. But at the same time, this duality that you're yeah. expected to balance. And a friend of mine put it really interestingly. She said, Women are on a tightrope as narrow as a hair, strung between the two tallest peaks in gale force winds. And men are on a 12 inch cable, six inches off the ground during the most calm time of day. And it's that balance of the expectations. And so that was one of the things that really struck me about this conversation around is Barbie really a feminist? Is the Barbie movie a feminist movie? And what I found interesting in doing a little bit of digging is that the monologue was one of the things that got America for to say yes to the movie because it it is so powerful. And I think she probably was rewriting some of it in her own words if, if the World Wide Web is to be believed. But the other piece for me is that If you look at it, the um, head of executive producer for Mattel Films indicates that the movie is not a feminist movie, and it's a sentiment that's echoed by other Mattel executives. So it's interesting when you watch any of the cast interviews, when you watch anybody who's 
reacted to it to have the company that actually brought the toy to life, sells the toy in the variety of ways, presidents, astronauts, doctors, but then to have them articulate that it's not a feminist movie or Barbie's not mm-hmm. a feminist is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuck between a rock and a hard place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what comes to mind for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm right there with you, America Ferrara. She could have gone on for another half an hour with all of the with all the things that she said. And I think what probably brought tears to my eyes is as she listed out each thing, you have to be thin, but not too thin. You can never say you want to be thin. You have to say you want to be healthy, but you also have to be thin. You have to have money, but you can't ask for money because that's crass. You have to be a boss, but you can't be mean. You have to lead but you can't squash other people's ideas. You're supposed to be a loving mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but always looking out for other people. I could put myself into every single one of those sentences, clearly, without even a moment's thought about it. And if I could do that, how many other women watching could do the same thing? Absolutely. And isn't that a shame? Absolutely. It did. It resonated with so many people. I feel like it was a start of a very interesting conversation, without a doubt. Yeah, exactly. I just learned, let's see, who Kuwait and who else uh, banned this? Not, Not like we wouldn't have suspected. Yeah, it's weird, the banter that's going on around this. And people feel threatened by it to ban the movie because it doesn't fit with our culture. I wonder if that's men or women that are banning it. I think we might be a little bit surprised, maybe. We might. But at the same time, the conversation I've been following online is around the Barbie's white feminism Mm -hmm. and yes there's representation in the movie but there's people saying that it doesn't necessarily go far enough and I think part of that for me is what are we expecting of movies right what are we expecting Mm -hmm. movies to actually do when we talk about people talking about the downfall of the patriarchy in the movie the comment is it's really just replacing women replacing men with women in the same systems and structures that got us into some of these situations in the first place yes. and shouldn't the goal have been to destroy the systems themselves instead of having an all female supreme court shouldn't the goal be to you know redo the entire court system now I absolutely agree 100%, but I also agree that this is a movie and we probably should lower our standards for what movies can accomplish or should be responsible for accomplishing. 
so I just thought some of the conversation that's happening and some of the things that were probably expected in the mm-hmm. outcome are probably a little bit, it lead to, again, some of that really interesting conversation that at least we're talking about now. You bring up an interesting topic. So one of the things I often talk about with my coaching clients is when we notice something isn't working well. So let's, in this case, talk about the patriarchy. Mm. It's not working all right, so we've made a decision, let's change it. People often over-index on the change, right? From You go from one side of the pendulum swing all the way over to the other, which is not really, that's not really the best outcome. Moving to a matriarchal society wouldn't be any better, okay? And I'm a woman. It, it wouldn't be any better. It would just be a flip exactly of what we saw in the movie. But Sometimes the audacity of the change is what shocks you into realizing, okay, there's got to be a happy medium, right? And that's, I think, what we're all looking for is that middle ground where everybody can be recognized as equals and people shouldn't have to argue and fight for resources or who should be in in control or who should be leading this or leading that. It's like, why can't we all just get along and appreciate that everybody brings something to the party that's worthwhile? Yeah. I'm a Pollyanna. (laughs) (laughs) Pollyanna. Maybe a little bit Pollyanna, but I think there's, there is this room for the conversation of why does it have to be one or the other, right? Why can't we have the middle ground where things are actually respectful for all people and systemically equal for all people? It's it's just a interesting time to reflect, especially given some of the most recent social pressures on equality and the conversation that we're starting to have and maybe not going far enough in having around those pieces of society that are systemically broken and not necessarily helping anyone except a small group of people who are currently in charge. Yeah. So maybe the sheer ridiculousness of this movie should stand to be a wake-up call to people. We don't have to go this ridiculous. We don't have to live in a completely opposite society with hard plastic waves (laughs) and empty milk cartons. It holds up a mirror to us to see exactly, you know, what we're doing isn't working. This other way isn't any better. But folks, we should work together to try and figure out how do we come to some common ground and create a much better place for everybody where everyone can contribute. And we don't have to watch ridiculous movies in order to have that message get through to us. But 
I really enjoyed, I, I shockingly enjoyed the movie for all the reasons we've already said and stated. And it was a fun walk down memory lane to see some of the things that I had actually played with or things that we had provided for our granddaughters. I have to ask you, did you have an ugly Barbie? I did not. My brother wasn't allowed anywhere near my Barbies. And Holly, you know me well enough to know I'm a rule follower. There was no cutting of hair or drawing on Barbies. You just didn't do that. I didn't. Now, it has come out and I might buy one, but that's completely different. I love that. We didn't have an ugly Barbie either. But I have to say, I had friends that had them. I was aghast that they would harm their Barbie in any way, shape, or form, or draw on their face. But I got to tell you, they did look exactly like an ugly Barbie in the movie. And yes, but again, that at my house, that would not have been appreciated. So <laughs> there, yeah. were, there were lots of things I think other kids did that I never uh, ventured into and yeah. cutting my Barbie's hair. And, and that was definitely one of them. Yeah, it was. It was heartwarming. And I think I'm going to have to go see it again, too, because I was so enamored with everything that was going on. I think that there's even more that I could get from watching it a second time. So it was fun. I'm glad we decided to do it. Yeah, no. And I, I do have to say that I was lucky to be driving our convertible home from the movie and be able to find the Indigo Girls And we sang all the way home. So for those of you who haven't seen the movie, we're not 100% spoiling it, but you also want to make sure you stay till the very last scene. It's well worth it. Uh, Yeah, that was uh, totally unexpected. (laughs) Completely unexpected. And I think probably led to the most howling in the theater that happened up to that point. Yes, yes. Same for me as well. I hope you all enjoyed this episode where we're just bantering about a, 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 I guess it's a bit of a controversy, a controversial movie at this point still. We'll see where it all ends up. But if you haven't seen it, it's absolutely worth your time. Take a friend, take your daughter, take your granddaughter, uh, wear some pink, paint your nails pink, go have fun with it and celebrate being a woman. Thank you so much for listening in on this latest episode of Uplifting Women podcast. Holly and Kristen appreciate your dedication to Uplifting Women and look forward to you joining them again soon. This podcast is sponsored by upliftingwomen.net as well as Holly Tesca Coaching and Consulting and Regent Leadership Group. Please visit your favorite platform where you found this podcast to leave a review. If you are an uplifting woman or a man who champions women's success with a story to share, Kristen and Holly would love to talk to you. Please visit upliftingwomen.net and leave us a message.